Hello, and welcome to the Body Protest Podcast, a new intersectional body image podcast that takes a deep dive into our often complicated, occasionally treacherous relationships with our bodies. We want to figure out how we can all feel more at home in our bodies and what it will take to create a world that fosters positive body image. I'm Honey Ross. And I'm Nadia Craddock. In each episode, we'll be combining storytelling with science to discuss body image, so how we feel about how we look in relation to our weight, shape, race, skin colour, physical ability, sexuality, mental health, and whatever else comes up. This podcast is brought to you by The Pink Protest. Okay, today we are going to be talking about skin, which often doesn't come up into body image conversations, I feel. I honestly feel like skin is the final frontier in my relationship with body positivity. Like, that is the one thing that I'm still insecure about is my skin. And I feel really guilty saying that. And like, Mm. a lot of people are like, how you've got this rock solid confidence, like blah, blah. I'm like, no, when it comes to my skin, if I, you know, I recently went on the mini pill. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I, my, the adjustment period was hell. I broke out so much on my chin and I just felt like I didn't want to leave the house, which is crazy because I can go out like wearing like a thong, like a walk out <laughs> down the street with my nipples out. And I'm like, what? But, but when it comes to my skin, I'm like, no, I'm shy. Like, it's so strange to me. Yeah, well, it's it's, that, it's just very personal. And when you're talking about your skin, you mean your face. like your I skin mean my your face. face skin, but like also, you know, like who doesn't get the occasional spot of acne? I mean, actually you don't. You're blessed with like glowing, clear skin. Okay, so like off mic before we started, we're talking about how I don't get spots, which is a generalisation, but I, I typically do not, um, you know, a lot of people get bad acne. I, I don't, I get the occasional period spot, but that is really it. And it is one of those things that, is it's a genetic thing i think it's like more than anything it's a yeah. genetic thing no, I, just, totally. like, I just don't get it and like i might go in the mini pill and then like and completely then who knows what'll happen yeah we'll see yeah. You know? but it is i think that's one of those things and there's we're going to be talking about it we've got a consultant dermatologist who's going to be joining us on this episode i think one of the things that really comes out is that this is genetic and i think there's all of these stereotypes and ideas and myths around skin mm. that it's about like you're not washing your face properly you're not eating properly yeah. you're not drinking enough water there's all of these like misconceptions and they're just like simply not true no and I think it will be very reassuring to a lot of people and also very stressful for people like me who follows every skincare fad because I am just like everyone else <laughs> Desperate know, for like the next a little a little fix. <laughs> little spoiler honey's heart did get broken a couple of times <laughs> <laughs> So keep listening if you want to hear my soul get crushed um, (laughs) by the wonderful Anjali Matto. (laughs) Self-love is true love. Honour the most important relationship in your life, yourself. Our sponsor, Womanizer, believes that every person has the right to pleasure and self-love, regardless of age, sexuality, size and colour. A wonderful way to learn to appreciate your body is through self-pleasure. Masturbation is a truly joyful way to connect with your body and learn to feel comfortable in your skin. Everyone should feel able to feel comfortable in their body and explore their own sexual needs and desires. In this house, we see masturbation as the purest form of self-love. Unlike other vibrators, Womanizer products stimulate with soft pressure waves. It is stimulation without touch, meaning there is no chance of overstimulation or loss of sensitivity. Get yourself your very own womanizer at womanizer.com slash UK so you can light a candle, run a bath and have a mind-blowing night of sexy self-care. I'm 
Anjali Mato. I'm a consultant dermatologist. I'm based in London and I sit on a number of committees. I'm part of the British Cosmetic Dermatology Group. I'm a spokesperson for the British Skin Foundation and I basically do everything related to skin. Wow. I was going to say, I was like, Angela's like the number one person for all things skin. You are the queen of skin. Queen well, of skin. I'm not sure about that, but you know what? <laughs> I'll take the compliment. <laughs> yeah. You have skin and you're the queen of skin and it's just impressive. Um, what we are dying to know is, are you a squeezer or a picker when it comes to spots? So having had spots most of my adult life, I have to say that I did tend to be a little bit of a picker. Okay. The thing is, neither is really good mm. with my like doctor hat on. No. Because if you pick and you squeeze, you're going to end up getting scarring or marking on the skin. And 20% of people that get spots will end up in scarring. You don't want to help mm. that process along by playing with the skin or manipulating it too much. Yeah. Is the best thing to do then is not touch at all? The best thing to do actually is to get targeted spot treatments. So you can buy things that contain salicylic acid or tea tree oil or benzoyl peroxide over the counter in like high street shops. And putting those onto your spots directly rather than picking can reduce the redness and the inflammation that they cause. So... Because I have been, I don't know, quite lucky, I would say, with my skin. I've never had, like, major issues with skin. So I think I, like, my knowledge, my, I have, like, huge ignorance when it comes to different... Because there, there are different types of spots. So, like, I get the little, like, under-the-skin ones. Um, and then, like, the period spot, obviously. Oh, yeah. But then tell me about, like, the spectrum of spots. Yeah, so the first thing is, you know, doctors use spots and acne interchangeably. So sometimes people entirely freak out when they hear, oh my God, I've got acne. Acne is just the medical word for spots. If you have one spots or you have 10 spots. Mm -hmm. And there are different types of acne spots. So the very simplest acne spot that you can get is basically a blocked pore. So something like a blackhead or a whitehead. We call those comedones. But those are the kind of under the skin Uh little bumps that you're talking about. But as spots become more inflammatory, they can become a bit deeper. And then you can get the slightly bigger whiteheads. But as acne progresses, you can then start getting the really deep bumps. We call them nodules or cysts, so cystic acne. Uh And those are the really deep, red, tender, painful ones. They never come to a head. They actually tend to last weeks rather than days. And they're just really uncomfortable and quite unsightly. Nobody's favorite spot. No, Uh absolutely not. But I still want to go back to the squeezing and picking thing. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite satisfied. No, no, because I think when we think about squeezing, I'm thinking of that, was it that Kevin and Perry go large kind of? (laughs) (laughs) But but those are the big white spots, right? Like those are the big, like, like, hit the mirror kind of spot. Yeah. Yeah. But then when we talk about those under the skin, like the blackhead ones. Yeah. Again, I think it's like those attempting to like, because you want to, I feel like I feel, and I know this is not correct or like whatever, I don't know because I don't know anything about skin, but, <laughs> but I feel like you want to get the dirt out of your face. So I'm going to say two things about that. The first thing is that when you've got those little bumps underneath the skin, people often think that the black stuff in blackheads is dirt yeah. and it's not. What it is, is like oil and and sebum that's gotten trapped in your pore. And when it comes into contact with air, it becomes oxidized and that makes it look black. So it's not the fact that your skin is dirty, but I take your point that if you have lots of little bumps, your skin feels congested, you know, and you want to get those bumps out and get the skin texture flat. 
The problem with squeezing those yourself at home, either with your fingers or if you go to YouTube, there are these things called comedone extractors, these metal like, tools. Yeah, no, I've seen oh, those. Yeah, that you can drag across your skin to get them out. If you don't do it properly, you can end up pushing the inflammation deeper and create deeper spots. So I'm not against squeezing them out, but I think they should be done by a beautician or an aesthetician that knows what they're doing to make sure they're not putting too much pressure onto the skin and they're not squeezing all of those contents inwards and downwards. Okay. This is a question that actually isn't written down, but I kind of wanted to go off a piece of it. Mm -hmm. What's your skin been like throughout your life? If you're comfortable talking about that. Totally. And And what kind of, was there a thing that made you want to go into working with skin? Yeah, so I had really awful skin from about the age of 11 or 12. And um, unfortunately for me, it kind of coincided with a time where my father died. Literally two weeks later, I moved schools. And then I broke out in the worst spots possible. And it was a really big deal for me because not only was I a bereaved teenager Mm -hmm. or going into teenage years... But on top of that, I didn't really have any friends because I just moved countries. We used to live in Saudi Arabia at the time. And then on top of that, I really did not have an attractive face and I was quite spotty. So nobody really wanted to be my friend. And for me, spots were so closely tied with my self-esteem. And I always felt like if my skin was better, people would like me more or people would want to be my friend. Or actually just the pain of bereavement would go away because they were so closely Mm. linked in my mind. And, you know, I'm nearly 40 now, but I've had trouble on and off with my skin since then. And I've had treatments over the years. The great thing is the treatments work whilst you take them. But for a small percentage of women, me included, unfortunately, acne is a chronic problem. So what I mean by that is there's no permanent cure for it. You know, it comes and it goes and you just have to deal with it in that manner. But one of the things that I found, particularly when I was a teenager, was I would literally read like Just 17, More magazine, any female magazine I could get my hands on to basically buy the latest new fatty skincare product because I thought that would fix my skin. And I spent a lot of money Mm -hmm. that we didn't really have trying to make my skin better. And as I got older, what made my skin better was actually seeing a dermatologist and getting medical treatment. But... It's something that even now I feel quite strongly about. I feel like with social media, there is so much information and it's very easy to get sucked into buy this, buy that, try this, try that Mm -hmm. new clay mask, whatever it might be. And a lot of it doesn't work and you're spending your hard-earned money on it. So I don't know. I kind of feel like we need to think of acne as a medical problem, not a beauty and cosmetic one. That's Mm -hmm. so interesting because I think, like you said, especially with Instagram, which is something that me and Nadia enjoy thoroughly, (laughs) you do see so many brands that, you know, claiming to have the next best thing. Like, I mean, like you said, the the pink clay mask everybody was using, which actually just really, really fucked my skin up. Yeah. It's, Mm. yeah, I mean, it's worrying. People don't, and it just affects your mental health so much. Oh, it totally does. I mean, we know that if you've got spots, you've got a higher rate of anxiety depression, low self-esteem, low body image, potentially difficulty making relationships, you know, trouble with employment, and even suicide. So I think the medical community have been really bad at recognizing how severe the mental health effects of acne itself can be. And is that, obviously, the body image research, what's the... How, how do you see that relationship come about? And is it just a, a product of like the fact that society says that like clear skin is like 
beautiful skin. That's right. You know, if we look at, unfortunately, society's very narrow view of beauty, it is a, firstly, a westernized beauty ideal. It is a beauty ideal where you have glossy hair, you're young, your skin is perfect. Mm -hmm. And perfect skin across every culture of beauty is always really pervasive. And, you know, you could have any other medical problem, but it's internal. Nobody needs to see it. Mm -hmm. But we make such snap judgments on people's skin and what they look like. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it's such a big deal. Yeah, and there's so many like myths around it, aren't there, in terms of like, yeah, if you if you have like spots and I remember this as, as teenagers, like you kind of immediately go back to that, like, oh, you know, you must not wash your face, like you yeah. must like yeah. you know, not take care of yourself, or you don't drink enough water, or you know, you're eating loads of shit that you shouldn't be you know, like yeah. that is like yeah. provoking all of that. And I wonder if you can can you do a bit of myth busting? Yeah, absolutely. I mean the first thing that you've absolutely said is there is this idea that, you know, you've got spots because you're dirty and you're not yeah. washing enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be totally honest, I think the people that suffer with acne and spots, if anything, they're more clean because they're constantly overwashing, yeah. trying to remove the oil off their skin. So it is not anything to do with personal hygiene and, and that's something that I think is propagated and it's not true. The second big one is also, you know, it must be your lifestyle. And what are you doing in your lifestyle that's giving you skin like this? So, you know, are you eating loads of fatty foods, greasy foods, chocolate? You know, is it diet related? And if you look at, you know, the evidence that we have for acne and diet, you know, for most people, diet does not have a part to play. It's your own hormones and genetics. It's only a small percentage of people that may be sensitive to dairy and sugar, yet all over the Internet, it's like, oh, God, cut out dairy, cut out gluten, cut out sugar for Mm. your skin. I've got plenty of vegan patients that, you know, have a fairly, I would say, limited diet. They still have spots. If it was as simple as food, mm-hmm. you know, they wouldn't be suffering. That's so interesting. I feel like people, like, I can't tell you how many of my friends have cut out countless food groups yeah. just to improve their skin. And it doesn't do anything. That's they right. don't reintroduce the foods. Yeah. And you'll, I think it kind of builds such an interesting fear around eating if you're trying to protect your skin and I think I'm really glad you brought that up actually because I think that's one thing I Nadia you and Mm -hmm. I have talked about this but I am seeing a lot of young women coming to my clinic because of skin problems Mm -hmm. acne in particular but they're cutting out a huge amount of food groups exactly as you're describing you know dairy-free gluten-free sugar-free their skin isn't getting any better, but they're developing really disordered patterns mm. around food and becoming, mm. you know, borderline orthorexic as wow. a result of controlling what they're eating so much. So I think there is a real risk with the current environment that we're living in that you've got a skin problem, acne, but your food restricting so much, you're then creating an entirely separate mental health issue around mm. food as well. That's terrifying. It is absolutely it is. terrifying. And there's just like not any work out there on that, is there? So again, that's why we've been um, speaking about it a little bit in terms of, because like, I think it's almost like a whole new pathway to disordered eating. Because I think sometimes right. people get so like disordered eating so much about, you know, wanting to be thin. Um, and actually there, there are other ways to like, because of like our beauty standards, beauty ideals, that's that right. people are kind of, are getting really caught up and trapped in like really horrible rigid restrictive patterns yeah this is kind of i mean it is relevant but it also seems fairly ironic that the whole kind of beauty ideal is like oh young people beautiful young people it's like most young people have terrible acne i mean you're going through puberty your body is changing it's such a weird i mean there must be it's such a small percentage of teenagers with amazing skin you're absolutely right 80 percent of teenagers will suffer with Mm -hmm. acne if you got away with it unscathed you're like super lucky and I think it does go, again, it feeds into kind of like the media and how there is this portrayal of only people with beautiful, clear skin. You never see, you know, someone with a spot on the cover of a magazine. Mm-hmm, you never see right. that in TV. I yeah. mean, 
every I can't name a high school show where someone's had a spot unless that's been a storyline. Yeah, that it's like oh the spotty teen. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, like, they've been like really about. Oh, the spotty like, teen is like oh my god, I wouldn't want to be that character. Yeah. yeah, it's like um always like the, the creepy miserable boy who like likes computers. Yeah, mm-hmm. no offense to him, but and you know you even, even look at acne adverts for acne products. Mm. Even they don't use people with spots. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's, that's how, so how crazy that is. That's yeah. so bizarre. You know, it's the same thing as, um, like, leg hair and shaving adverts. Yeah, or, like, period. Like, yeah. like yeah. they don't show period blood. It's like, we don't bleed blue. Yeah. We have leg hair. We have spots. Yeah. It's very it, weird that there's this whole kind of erasure going on. Yeah. A very real problem. Mm-hmm. Well, not problems. They aren't problems. Everyone has spots in hair yeah. and bleeds. Not everyone, yeah. but most people. Yeah. But we just see so such a small percentage of the genetically blessed, you know, and the mental health issues that must be creating for young people coming through. You know, gone mm-hmm. are the days you only compare yourself to your kid in your class. You literally... Yeah in the matter of seconds can compare yourself to everyone in the whole world yeah yeah and then obviously now with like instagram and like facetune and all of those kind of things as well like it's a whole new level of like unrealistic expectations and i think what we're finding also which i think is like mind-blowing is that so it's now you're not just comparing to like a beautiful like celebrity who's on tv Mm. or like a supermodel um you're comparing yourself to your own self but filtered yeah Yeah. so you're like oh you know so then you're like i'm not i want to be as beautiful as myself when i've got my filter that you know that filter on and it's like i'm i'm not as good as my best self and my best self is like artificial well it's interesting because there's data coming through that you know what we're seeing in cosmetic dermatology and plastic surgery is people aren't bringing other people's photos Mm. they are bringing their own selfies but no, no filtered, filtered selfies or Facetune selfies and saying, make me look like my photograph. I have never heard that. Yeah, it's, that, a, it, it's a massive deal. That's wild. It's, yeah. it's crazy, isn't it? What? Yeah. Very disturbing. There's an Instagram that I'm absolutely obsessed with called Celeb Face. Okay. I don't know if either of you are familiar no. with it. I think it should be mandatory to follow it. It basically celeb shows face, you. What? Celeb Face. And it shows you on the left the upload that the celebrity themselves did on their Instagram and on the right it shows you the Getty image and it shows you how the Mm -hmm. celebrity has edited that particular photo of themselves how they've edited it and it is so interesting because it basically highlights that particular person's exact insecurity Mm -hmm. so I mean um one I was really interested in was like Rita Ora would like make her forehead smaller and her chin Mm -hmm. smaller and you've got like literally Victoria's Secret models I mean you don't get more stereotypical beauty ideal than Mm -hmm, that sure making themselves smaller even smaller than they already are and it's so interesting that like that's on their own Instagrams yeah and you see you can and they do like a comparison where it goes like yeah and like shows you their bodies changing and you're like this is so if even these people hate themselves how is the average person supposed to survive i know i kind of feel like you know if you are sitting in that position of influence or status you know we should be trying to help people not Mm. driving all of these self-esteem issues it's really hard completely but i I always think then when when we're thinking about that it's like how much pressure are they under as well it's like we're like it's it's why i think it all goes in circles but I want to lighten the mood a little bit mm, because yes. uh, Honey messaged me before we came <laughs> came here telling me about face gym. And I want to hear, so I feel like my face is missing out from this experience and so I want to hear from... I face. mean, it was incredible. I went to face gym, so um, dear friend of mine and Nadia's Scarlett Curtis um, got like hashtag spawn from face gym and they gave sure. her a special treatment and I was like, I want that. But then they didn't give me a special treatment because I'm not... <laughs> Iconic oh. enough, apparently. Um, so I, You're iconic to me, honey. Thank oh. you. 
So I went to Face Gym on my own, just living my life. I actually went with a friend, it was great. And it's just, have you have you heard of it? I've heard of it. Oh my God. They just, they work every muscle in your face and they're like like really intensely, like aggressively face massage you. And they like get Someone this, like a person on yeah, your face. Yeah, a person like is just like, <laughs> and then they get this like electrocuty machine and they put it on your jaw and you feel all your muscles twitching because it's like electrocuting your face. And they're like, it's the equivalent of doing like 300 sit-ups, but in your face. And I was like, wow. And you leave and you're like, I have a new face. Like, my whole face was, like, snatched. Like, it was, like, so taut. Like, I feel like, like, it probably it is worn off. But it was heaven. And they just, like, cover you in oils and, like, yeah. I mean, my skin's still trash, but it was a great experience. If you are stressed out, you might find that your spots get worse or your eczema yeah. gets worse, whatever it might be. So there is something really positive about going, taking time out for yourself and feeling pampered for that Self-care. period of time. Exactly. Absolutely. From a purely scientific point of view, <laughs> oh no, is this really going to tighten your facial, facial muscles long term? Is it going to reduce what naturally happens to the skin as it ages? Yeah. Nah. See, I'm like, I've never been cons- like, look, I obviously am in a really good position with how I feel about myself. Yeah. Like, I've done a lot of work on like self love and like, it's taken a long time. So I've never been like a person who's like, God, I don't want to get wrinkly and old. I'm like, I can't yeah. wait. Like, I'm like, bring on the aging process. Yeah. But do I like having like a jade rolled, like snatch jawline? Yes. Like, I love, like, I bought the, what is it? The nurse Jamie, blah, 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 tong, whatever that the Kardashians use. I love it. Like, I love that kind of self-care shit. Like, I yeah. love having people rub my face. I love mm-hmm. rubbing my own face with a thing. And like, it, if you like that shit, like face gym's that. But I agree. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think they, like, even they said they were like, it can last for up to five days and then you have to come again. It's just like going to the real gym. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> funny sure. that. It's so interesting you should say that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But no. I look, I agree. I think, you know, as long as you take it for what it is and it makes you feel good, I don't, <laughs> you know, that's really powerful. And I think yeah. that is an incredibly powerful thing. But I, I do think it, it's not like, you know, going to the gym for your face. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, 100% no. Even yes. when they were saying that, like, yes. when I was, like, with the headband on, I was like, I know this is <laughs> yeah. But, but if it, they want to sponsor me, I would not say no. <laughs> sure. <laughs> what is your biggest, like, pet peeve when it comes to kind of skincare myths? Like, when you hear people saying it all the time and you're like, I really wish they knew that that wasn't true. Um, one of the things that's become really popular as a result of, I think, celeb endorsements, mm. Instagram, is facial oils for cleansing. And a lot of yeah. people like using oil cleansers. And I've noticed that over the past two to three years, particularly. I am seeing so many young women coming to my clinic with blocked pores and those comedones, those little blackheads that we were talking about as a result of using oil cleansers. So I think if you're using oils on your face, they are suitable for somebody that's got very mature skin, i.e. they've gone through the menopause, their estrogen levels have dropped, or it's good for people that have got really dry skin. But for your average person that's got normal, normal combo, blemish, acne prone skin, please stay away from facial oils. Mm-hmm. Wow. I had no idea about that. Yeah, and really? they're popular. They're really popular. I use like the oil balm. Why is my skin so bad? I'm like, okay, right. I'm doing it. Okay, because there's something I want to ask you because this, this is what blew my mind because uh, Angelina and I did a, a talk together back in October. It's how we met. And there's something that you said that is really stuck with me and I've seen you talk about it subsequently is about chemicals versus like natural products. Sure. And like, because I always think natural products are best because yeah. it's like, Oh, 
what can a cucumber do to my face? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so this is another common myth, yeah. actually. Oh, no. Is natural skincare better than synthetic or chemical skincare? Yeah. And the first thing I would say is with synthetic or chemical skincare, the European Union very closely regulates what we are allowed to put in our skincare products. Right. It's very tightly governed in terms of concentrations and safety limits. So if you're buying something that, you know, is in the EU, we are currently in the EU, hopefully even when, <laughs> if and when Brexit happen happens, <laughs> we are still going to follow their kind of cosmetic uh-huh. regulations. It's, it's safe. You know, these are deemed safe concentrations. Yeah. The problem with natural is firstly, there is no legal definition for the word. So what is natural to me may be very different to what's natural to yourself, honey, or very different to what's natural to you, Nadia. So mm-hmm. to you, it might mean that it comes from a plant. To me, it might just mean there's no synthetic preservative. To you, it might mean something entirely different. Right. So the first issue is that lack of standard definition. The second thing is most natural products tend to come from plants. They're botanicals. And one of the things with botanical things is there's very little quality control. Because if you're growing plants, it makes a big difference if that plant is growing at the right temperature on the sunny side of the mountain versus the shady side of the mountain, (laughs) whether it's harvested at the right time, whether the right plant part is harvested, i.e. the flower versus the stem versus the fruit, because that could make a real difference in terms of active ingredients. Once it is harvested, is it transported at the right temperature? When it is transported, what chemical solvents do they use to extract the bits that they need? you actually don't really know what you're getting. Batch to batch, there is a much higher quality variation. So that's the second issue. The third issue is that even a lot of natural ingredients can cause sensitivity and have been associated with allergies. So there was a really interesting study that came out back in 2007, which showed that lavender oil and tea tree oil in prepubescent boys led to breast growth. Now, you know, we think, ah, tea tree oil, lavender oil, they're they're all safe, they're from plants, but they can have really unpredictable side effects. So, you know, natural isn't natural, like necessarily better than chemical. I think if you prefer natural, that's fine. That's a personal choice. But again, knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. And just be aware that there are differences in the way that these mm. these products are effectively processed and the risks associated with them as well. I do feel like natural has better PR. Like I feel like mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, like I feel like I'm like I remember reading somewhere on some super mag- like magazine a couple of years ago, like just cover your face in coconut oil, just absolutely yeah. coat your whole face in coconut, yeah. your whole body even, yeah. your, and your head, like everything. And I did, yeah. and then obviously broke out like crazy. Yeah. And then I read something else being like, this coconut oil myth has got to stop. It is yes. not good for your face. Do not put it on your face. Yes. You can use it as a cleanser if you have to. And I was like, I mean, I am a sheep. When it comes to skincare, I'm an absolute sheep. I yeah. will believe anyone. Yeah. And it, has ruined my life. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm glad though coconut oil has stopped. I'm really glad yeah. to hear that you're not using that. Oh though. no, I wouldn't. I would never. What do you feel in the school of thought of if it's stinging, it's doing something good? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah, I don't really buy that either. So if you've got really sensitive skin or you have a condition called rosacea where you can get skin sensitivity and redness, mm. if you're getting stinging, burning, tingling, itching, any of those kinds of symptoms, 
it's probably not doing wonders for your skin, to be totally honest with you. There are certain skincare products, particularly active products, things that contain acids, for example. The first couple of times you use them, you might find you get a little bit of tingling, but that settles after a couple of days. If you're getting persistent stinging or burning, or your face is becoming very red or dry or itchy or swollen, that is bad. That Mm. is definitely not a good thing. Yeah. So I always find that I love the idea of a face mask, um, but every time I'm like, I like put it on and then I like run because yeah. it's like the minute something because I, I I have a very like low pain threshold and like, like really sensitive skin. Yeah, yeah. and then wow. it's like it's stinging. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm like, I can't take the risk. See, me and Scarlett were talking about. Oh my god, I will just like. There's this thing that the ordinary do. They're like BH. Oh, the, the peeling the solution. Peel, the peeling it's brilliant. Solution. I love it's that stuff. So good, but like. I will put it all over my face and I will do it for the allotted time. Scarlett was like, I will leave it on for 20 minutes and just let it burn. Like sometimes I'll put that stuff on yeah. and be like, I got it. Like it'll make me sneeze. It's burning so much. Yeah. Whereas like Scarlett will, Scarlett is like a masochist. She will leave that <laughs> and just be like, take the layer off of my face. Like you're like, why? Oh, so I'm so yeah. terrified about that. I'm just like, what's going to happen to my face underneath yeah. this? I wouldn't suggest cruel. it for you no, if you're sensitive. No. But I mean, otherwise I think it's actually a fairly nice product. Oh, okay. Mm. You know what? That really reassured me because I was like, I'd stop using it. I was like, this is going <laughs> to <Everything. laughs> Everything yeah. you like, yeah. everything like wiped out, you're gonna yeah. clear out your whole. Life. I know, truly, I'm gonna get home and be like, burn it, or yeah. give it to my housemate, either way. Yeah. <laughs> so, I have another, like, kind of personal question. Mm. Really just because I'm, like, very curious. So, and also because you also have Asian heritage. Yes. So, my mum used to tell me when I was a child that. The grains of rice that you leave on your plate will be spots on your face the next day. <laughs> now I realise that that is not true, <laughs> but I want to know if someone else like did it. Like, was that? Did anyone tell you that? No, no, actually, no. I've never heard that one. But I was constantly told by my mum that if I just stopped picking and playing and touching with my skin, like you know, my yeah. skin would get better. And my mum was a doctor; she should really have known better. Quite frankly, so is that not true? Because I always read like on skincare sites and things. They're like, oh, if you just don't touch your face at all ever, your skin will be just glowing. You will be Gigi Hadid, and it yeah. happened for me. Yeah, I, I don't touch my face throughout the day, or I avoid yeah. to. Like, it, is that like is that? There I must mean, be some truth in it. Though. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you've got grubby hands and you're smearing them all over your face, that's clearly not a good thing. Yeah. But for a lot of people, again, it's it comes down to the fact that spots aren't there because of personal hygiene issues. Yeah. They are there because of the underlying process that's going on in the skin. Exactly. So, you know, you could be touching your face or stop not touching your face, but your spots will still do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. I feel like I we've got you here just to have like a consultation. I know. That's okay. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> yeah, are chin spots hormonal? That's because I've heard so many things of like your skin is broken up into like if they're on your cheeks they mean this, if they're on your dick, it's almost like. Um, I don't know, like, it kind of makes me feel like Chinese New Year or like, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? yeah. it's like, it feels kind of vaguely like mythical. Yeah. So when I read about stuff like that, there's kind of like two camps that you read about. The first camp is about facial mapping and facial mapping is when people say, oh, your forehead spots are because your liver's congested or your cheek yeah. spots are because, I don't know, your kidneys are congested. That is utter rubbish. Okay. That comes from sort of naturopathic type of medicine. Sure. There is no science behind that. However, there is some evidence that shows that, for example, if you only predominantly get forehead spots, that in some time, like some cases can be related to using hairstyling products, waxes and gels. So you often end up blocking your pores on your upper forehead. 
What you're talking about with chin spots, it does seem to be that women that tend to get hormonal type acne, so their spots flare up around the time of their periods, mm. they do seem to have spots around what is known, I guess, affectionately as the U-zone. So your U-zone is like your chin, the lower half of your face and your jawline, right. which is slightly different to, you know, often teenagers get T-zone spots. So your yeah. forehead, your nose and your chin. So you do see that switch, yeah. but you know, you can still get hormonal spots on your forehead as well. Yeah. So it's not a hard and fast rule. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. I think we've asked a lot of questions. We've asked <laughs> many Okay, if there is one secret to clear skin, I know yeah. this is probably like an annoying question, but mm. what would you say, like, if you could give anyone a, a, an amazing tip to clear your skin up, what would it be? So I think um, the first thing I would probably say, actually, is make sure that you're getting your advice from credible sources. Because I think you said earlier, you know, there is just literally, there's there's so much information and it's really tempting to then be like, oh, I'm going to try everything. And often less is more when it comes to skincare. So I think if you're looking to clear your skin, if you've got blemishes, you've got spots, look for ingredients such as salicylic acid, glycolic acid, tea tree oil, benzoyl peroxide, niacinamide, and retinol. These are all things that are available over the counter. And it's worthwhile looking for skincare with those ingredients. When you start a new skincare routine, though, you do have to be patient. It takes at least eight to 12 weeks to see the benefits of a new routine. And often what we tend to do is use something for a week and go, oh, God, that's not working. Throw it out and try something else. And you do have to be patient. But I think people get so caught up in like that you have to do a certain thing to get clear skin and actually for some people it's just you're not doing anything yeah that's right so I I don't know if we've covered pretty much everything but I wonder if there's one thing that you wish everyone knew that you're like sick to the back teeth of like Not so much, yeah, not so much stick to back teeth, but I do feel like there is a real problem with not realizing proper skin experts from people that aren't skin experts. And I'm seeing a lot of people that come to my clinic and they have spent thousands, like literally thousands on either skincare or time in beauty clinics having treatments that aren't going to work for them. And I kind of almost want to say, you know, the best thing to do if you're going to spend money on your skin is educate yourself about the person that is treating your skin. And in the UK, that would be a consultant dermatologist. You know, you want to go to somebody with the right title. It it feels like false economy to be going, oh, I'll try this and I'll try this and I'll try this. But the longer that you try things out that don't work, firstly, your skin isn't improving. So with acne, for example, your risk of scarring becomes higher and then that brings its own issues with it. But not just that, you know, it's if you're not treating your skin, your skin is affecting your mental health and your self-esteem, that's actually then prolonging the amount of time that you're having low self-esteem that could have been treated as well. Mm -hmm. So I do kind of think that, you know, if you're you're struggling, it's really important to realize skin is not a cosmetic thing. It's a medical thing. And there are medical professionals that can help with it. Right. And consultant dermatologist is you've had you've got a medical degree and then you've gone on to do specialist training that's right that's right as opposed to you know in the uk there is no legal protection of the word dermatologist you can anyone can call themselves a dermatologist or a cosmetic dermatologist put that in my instagram bio tomorrow and no one could say anything if you wanted to like honey ross dermatologist just because i like to buy skincare yeah dermatologist skin specialist skin expert you name it no you can no legal protection no the only legally protected term is consultant dermatologist Wow, guys, you really got to up your game. I mean, yeah. as a consultant dermatologist, you should be like 
we've got to change this. Oh, do you know, it's, <laughs> it's so frustrating. Like, I'm trying to do that with social and Instagram. But the other thing I find, like, as a woman doing it, you know, yeah. you don't want to be calling people out. And I haven't quite got the balance of not being so confrontational. It looks like I'm having a go at the individual for lying, which is what they're doing. It's fraud mm-hmm. to be misleading the public about your qualifications. But also, you know, when I've done it in the past, it's been like, oh, you're just jealous or bitter or, you know, people say that. They assume that you're you're attacking the person. But I don't know how people can sleep at night, basically misleading others and the general population in that way. You'd be jealous of them. You've got a medical degree. You know, you've just got like some skincare products. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy, though. And, and it is about getting the balance right. And, you know, that's that's something I'm learning how to do as well. But it is something I feel strongly about but it sometimes feels like you're screaming in the wind and it's a losing battle. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's, what, cause I, what I've seen with that, because I, we, again, we've spoken about this before, is that you've got these people who have got perfect, beautiful, beautiful skin. And then I'm like, I'm a skincare expert. And yeah. because yeah. you're like, because you've got clear skin, you must be able to sort out my skin. That's my right. My skin can be like yours. And again, doesn't make sense. Yeah, doesn't but you know, the, the pressure of having had bad skin as a dermatologist, mm. it's so unnerving. You know, you're kind of like, oh my God, they're judging me right now because they must be thinking, if I can't even sort my own skin out, how am I going to possibly sort their skin out? Yeah. And, you know, that was my, my own insecurity about my own skin. But now I kind of feel like, actually, you know what? Like, this is real life. Real life is skin can be up and down. And yeah. if your skin is not up and down, you're just lucky. But that's it. It's like people yeah. are so quick to like judge yeah. like the the aesthetic cover. And it's, it's like nutritionists, isn't it? You like, yeah. You're like, if you're not like stick thin, yeah. you know, could people will go being like, oh, I want to lose weight or whatever. And then they're like, they're very like skeptical. And it's like, that's really weird. Yeah. And that's yeah. our own kind of internal built in yeah. judgment that we yeah. have. And it, it's, it's a problem. But it's so interesting, you know, talking to you and you saying, you know, that's life. Sometimes yeah. it's good, it's good. Sometimes it's not. It's so refreshing. I yeah. feel like I've never heard. A, what's the actual term? Consulting consultant dermat- dermatologist. Consultant dermatologist. I've never heard anyone say that. Oh, in in that profession, I think yeah. it's so refreshing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually, I think it could be really beneficial because I think there is the assumption that like dermatologists, consulting dermatologists, have their shit together and their skin is always perfect and yeah. they're just always glowing and hair shiny and everything. Yeah. And it's just not the case. Mm. I think. It's like you are human. Exactly. And obviously, some days it's going to be better than others. Like, I just think it's, there's a lack of information out there, clearly. There is. And I think then the, the flip side as well is it also if you do cosmetic dermatology, and I've got a bit of that in my practice, it's also making sure that you're not selling people self esteem issues and then offering to sort the problem out for them. So, you know, the fastest growing area of cosmetic dermatology is people in their 20s coming for Botox and fillers. And that, again, that's a huge problem. If you looked at the average age of people coming for these treatments, maybe even about 10, 15 years ago, it used to be women in their late 40s, early 50s. But now, because it's been popularized and glamorized by social media, celebrities, there's no kind of like, I guess, I don't know, I mean, what's the word I'm looking for? But, you know, there's no kind of mystery around it anymore you know it's accessible you can go to youtube you can see how it's done um people are asking for these treatments at a much younger age so again it's making sure that when people are coming to see you and they're saying what can i change what can i fix can i have bigger lips can i do that that actually you have the ability to say no that is not appropriate because that's not going to fix the underlying problem which is self-esteem and we need to look at that at what point would you step in and tell someone no? If they came in asking for fillers, would you go, like, you know, if, if I came in sure. and went, like, I want to get my lips, yeah. Kylie Jenner? I have to be honest, I say no 
to that age range more than I say yes. Wow. Um, and it's interesting because I've had some conversations with people where they feel like, but this is what I want and I'm paying you to do it. Therefore, you should yeah. do it. And I think that one of the problems, again, if you're not a consultant dermatologist, is if you're a lot younger, you haven't actually got the confidence to say no. Mm. And actually, I don't want your money, but I'm not doing it for you. And that's something I notice because I, I see a lot of young doctors, for example, going into aesthetic medicine. So mm. they do a lot of injectables, but they just say yes to everything. And I think that's quite frightening because we are feeding into that problem. So if you came to me and you said, I want my lips to look like Kylie Jenner, I would say to you, why do you want that? Like, what do you think that is going to achieve? You know, why do you think that would be a good aesthetic for you? Because it's a lot about facial balance and facial proportions as well. Something that looks good on one person isn't necessarily going to look good on another. So I think it's also about looking at the underlying reasons as to why people want Mm. these treatments. And if there's any kind of sign of, you know what, this is also a self-esteem thing. This is, or this is a, you know, the, the thing used to be you break up with your boyfriend, you get your hair dyed. Now it's like you break up with your boyfriend, you get a bit of lip filler. It's like going and buying a cup of coffee. You know, yeah. that's how much it's it's become into our norm that we need to actually look at why this is normal. Also, I mean, this is something that we've talked about touching mm. on in another episode, but the lip filler thing, I mm. feel like really feeds into black fishing. And yes kind of white women appropriating yeah, a I very agree. traditional look of women of color that's right and I think it is very damaging yeah. that that's just kind of being okayed and yeah. no one is like going oh maybe don't mm. <laughs> like yeah mm-hmm. maybe let's uh, like uh, maybe let's uh, hold off on yeah. that yeah it's, and from a professional point of view you know if you go to Instagram you will see clinics full of photographs of their befores and afters mm. I kind of feel like I don't think it's appropriate to do that because again, I think you're glamorizing the treatment yeah. and you're making it something like, oh, it's, it's this easy. Come and have it done on your lunch break. But what we're not doing is looking at all of those kind of social and cultural issues mm. around why it's taking place. Also, I mean, just on a personal note, I've never known. I mean, I, I have a few friends who have had fillers and injectables. I've never known a single one who has gotten it done and gone, right, that's me, I'm done, never again. They've always gone back, gotten them bigger, gotten it topped up, gotten something else. It's never enough once you do it because the problem isn't the outside, it's on the inside. It's clearly like you don't need a nice set of lips, you need a nice therapist. Yeah. Like, that's no, there's no judgment. I think, you know, if you get something that you think will genuinely help your self-esteem, I think it's wonderful. That's right. But I think, do make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. And I think that is absolutely the key here, doing it for the right reasons. You know, I, I mean... I'm older, but I've certainly had injectable treatments. I've had Mm. Botox a few times. I've had a bit of filler, not in my lips, but I have had a bit of filler. And it is sitting on that spectrum of doing it for a reason that you think, okay, that's going to make me feel better today. It's a bit like, you know, wearing mascara or getting my hair colored or going Mm. to the gym, whatever it might be, but not crossing to the line of, if I don't do this, you know, this is going to affect my self-esteem so much I can't get out of bed. And it is that fine line of, being healthy and crossing over to suddenly not being so healthy anymore that we just yeah. need to be aware of. So it's not that it's bad to do these things, but the reasons need to be the correct ones. Yeah. It's interesting as well. I, you know, I am friendly with, but also a huge fan of the comedian Catherine Ryan. And she's been really open about having injectables and fillers. And she yeah. did such an interesting Instagram story talking about how when she was younger, she got really dodgy lip fillers yeah. and has now corrected them. And she's like, I'm putting this out there so no one makes the same mistake I did. Yeah. Because it's like you have to be so selective with who you go to. And oh, I think you do. it is coming back to that thing of 
research your doctors, research your dermatologists, yeah. make sure you're going to someone who knows what they're doing. Yeah. Because it's your face. It's like, it is. look after yourself. And people that are properly qualified aren't going to mind being asked, what are your qualifications? Yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. I think it's people that aren't qualified that actually get the backup. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just still think it's, I don't know. I kind of wish that we didn't even get to that stage. I know. And then it's as you get older, it's kind of like, you know, we we know that older women disappear and uh, there's that pressure to look young and remain young. So that's it. So you can completely understand it. So that's why I think it's really important. It's that it's not a judgment thing, but it's so you completely understand it, that actually there are real advantages and disadvantages related to how you look. Like there are. It's like that's the world we live in. Um, But it's, yeah, it's, it's also just like, how can we change the world? You know, like, yeah. how can we... <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like, it's not an easy... There's no easy yeah. solution. It's no. like, well... Well, it's the, like, Carl Sagan quote. It's like, if you want to make an apple pie from scratch, you have to invent the universe. It feels like yeah, the same yeah. thing. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's overwhelming thinking about the root of these kind of issues. Like, yeah. how why we feel bad about our skin, why it makes us, you know, why it affects our mental health. Yeah. it go, The root is too deep, just like a big yeah. spot. But but I think it's good if we see more people who have we're saying there's like an absence of people who have spots on TV on, on, yeah, on television. That's like right. We should absolutely be seeing people, especially especially if they're teenagers, but also 100%. like at, at, across you know, the spectrum. Across the spectrum that, that, that we see that because it, again it is normal, and I think we're not selling like a false idea of beauty. And then again that we see we need to see more women like women of, of certain ages again oh, in the yeah. media, but then in in professional context that that actually that that they're there exactly. and they do have lines on their face and they do. You know, well, yeah, people yeah. age, people get spots. That's life. Yeah, this is that's why I hate it when we have to talk about anti-aging because I kind of feel like no, this is the natural aging process of your skin. This is a process <laughs> that your skin goes through yeah. because we focus so much on anti-aging, and I feel like so many people come and see me and say, "Oh my god, I'm like in my early twenties and I'm really worried about getting older." And I sometimes feel like that's really sad because actually we're so fortunate to get older, and I think. Yeah. That's something that, you know, I think when you experience grief and loss at an early age, that's something that always sticks in my mind. Mm. A lot of people don't get to be an Mm. old age. And I wish there was some way that we could embrace that more as Mm. well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I mean, even just, you know, celebrating menopausal women, because I feel like they are the unsung heroes. I mean, like, early puberty, you get so much, like, people, you know, that's been well explored. Whereas, like, menopausal women, that's a second puberty and nobody talks about it. And it makes me so sad because it's just not talked about. I mean, this is not entirely relevant, but it just makes me sad. Like, I've had so many conversations with women in the last week about menopause. I'm not going through menopause. I'm 21. But but I'm like, I'm here for the women who are. I'm like, oh my God. Or like, not even the women who are, people who are in general. I just... There's so much to do. There is. And there's just, we just need to see more representation, don't we, across the spectrum of everything. That's mm-hmm. what we need. Yeah. What is your favourite act of self-care? Oh, my favourite act of self-care. Well, actually, funnily enough, it probably is skin-related. Uh-huh. <laughs> and... Um, I like to do a chemical peel on myself once a month at home. Now, I'm a dermatologist, so I can do this. I was just that sounds terrifying. So (laughs) I would not recommend this to anybody else. But for me, I kind of like find that I know that by doing it, it keeps my bumps under bay and it keeps my skin under bay. And for me, you know, again, unfortunately, my skin is still very closely tied to my self-esteem, even at this age. I'm way better about it, but I like doing things for my skin. I think a lot Mm. of us do. Yeah. It's satisfying. It is. Yeah. Anjali, tell us where we can find you. Okay, so I currently work in Harley Street, mm-hmm. uh, 55 Harley Street and the Cadogan Clinic in Chelsea. And then I'm on Instagram at Anjali Marto and Twitter at Dr. Anjali Marto. Anjali, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs>
so I'm probably about to go home and throw out <laughs> everything in my beauty cabinet, which is very disappointing. But there are a few things that I did keep secret from Angelou, which I feel a bit embarrassed about. Really? But what? I just wasn't ready for her to destroy all of my dreams. Have you heard about spot dots? No. No, see, I have like zero. You have no uh, need no, for spot I dots. Don't, don't spot know. dots are amazing. You put them on your spots at night when a spot's about to brew, and you wake up with a completely flat area. Like it's like. But how do you know one's going to brew? Like how do you? Know... Well, I get like a little red bump, and I'll be like, okay. something's coming, a storm's coming. <laughs> but spot, I just was like, I'm not ready. For... I know she'll be like, spot dots are a lie, and I'll be like, don't, don't tell me. <laughs> I don't want to no. hear it. No. Um, Although she, like with face gym, she didn't completely crush it. No, face gym. We'll always have face gym. Yeah, well, I've still not been. I've still not been. Oh, I and I'll like take we, you there. We need, to, we need to go. I feel like I need to experience it. I feel like it'll be a life experience for me. I think maybe you, me, and Angelie need to go because I yeah. think it might change her <laughs> worldview on it. She's going to be like, wow, mind absolutely blown. Yeah, we. I don't think we mentioned also that Angelie has a book, The Skincare Bible, which is which is brilliant. Very which is informative, very life-changing book. Um, Very informative about all things skin. And I think it is important to, like, when you're getting your information about skin is to get an... Uh, Angie obviously made this point, but like to get it from like a someone who knows. Yeah, it's not just like I think there's such an easy way of being, and I feel feel like we, I feel like we spoke about this on the thing, but like, um, but I think it's so easy to be like, oh, she's got good skin, like have skincare advice. Like literally, no one gets skincare advice yeah. from me because like I couldn't tell you a single thing of what to do with your skin, but just because I don't have spots, it's like you should know. But I like, also, it's always the people who have amazing skin whose advice is like drink a glass of water and wash your face with water, and you're like yeah it's not gonna work for me with my like cystic acne but it's interesting like I think that has changed my perspective of like actually I do need to learn to be a lot kinder to myself when it comes to my skin it's like it's not my fault it's genetic I'm doing everything I can and it does get better I think that's the only thing you can take solace in it's like your skin will improve and it's gonna be fine and also clear skin isn't everything no and like what does it like what literally what does your skin say about you like like and who you are like nothing and I also always think about the fact it's like you are so like you see yourself with a spot and you're like disgusting but you see someone else with a spot and you're like that's a spot that's fine you don't even see it i would never like my all of me and my friends are spotty and we're all like it's fine like it's like we just need to be kinder to ourselves thank you so much for listening to the body protest podcast brought to you by the pink protest we would love it if you left us a review and some stars, preferably five, on Apple Podcasts. Preferably. <laughs> it will help other people find our podcast and join our body protest family. Honey, where can we find you on social? Well, I'm on Instagram <laughs> at honeykinney. And you should also follow the Pink Protest at Pink Protest. Nadia, where can we find you? I'm at nadia.quadic on Instagram. And you can also listen to my little work podcast, Appearance Matters, the podcast, where Jay Pernell and I talk about the body image research with some of the experts in the field. Uh, This podcast was brought to you by The Pink Protest and produced by the wonderful Scarlett Curtis. And thanks to our editor, Shola. Thank you. Bye.